Welcome to Series 2 of Leading Between the Lines, a podcast from Alternique Inspired Growth with me, Peter Thorpe, as your host. In the coming months, I'll be talking to the people development heads from some of the UK's newest, fastest growing companies and finding out how they go about recruiting, developing and retaining top talent for their business. One thing's for sure, it's very different to even a year ago. My guest today is a business coach, mentor and speaker. She's also fluent in four languages and is vice president of people experience for a company described by Forbes as one of the world's biggest funded startups. A warm welcome to Francisca Terza from Userlane, based in Munich. Welcome, Francisca. Thank you, Peter, and so glad to be on this call. Perhaps we could start by you just filling us in on what Userlane does and how it started, and also how you got to the position that you're in now. Absolutely happy to do so. Well, most of you probably haven't heard about Userlane so far. We grew a lot in the course of the last year. So in April of the last year, we were around 40 people. Now we are more than 100. And what do we actually do? We help people use technology and we have a really clear vision. And that is that we really believe that it's all about people in business. And we feel that people should feel empowered by technology, not frustrated, and not threatened. And now you might wonder like, how do we do that? How do we empower people? Well, it's pretty simple. We built a global platform that makes using any software out there faster, simpler, effective, and super delightful. How do we succeed on our mission? Well, it's pretty simple. We provide large organizations with a really intuitive solution. We always call it navigation system for software. And this navigation system empowers people to find the right information at the right moment. Yeah. And as we grew significantly in the course of the last year, Userlane was looking for someone who comes with a lot of experience in scaling HR organizations. So HR departments within the organization. And this is how I ended up at Userlane. And funnily enough, I used Userlane in my previous organization. And this is how I got excited about the product. And I really wanted to work for an organization which um, provides value and delivers value to its users. And that was super important for me. And when I first interviewed with Userlane, I really felt that this is a really, really special organization. And the founders are super excited about what they do. And they want to create something different. And now I'm responsible for the people experience team. We on purpose call it people experience, same as customer experience, right? We always talk about customer centricity, making sure that customers have a great like experience once they start their journey with a specific software product. And we truly believe that in the end, it's the same also for employees. And therefore we, it's, it's our mission to guarantee that all applicants, all people who are in touch with Userlane, all employees have a great experience on their journey. And this is what I do together with my team. Right, we will come back to the um, extraordinary growth that's taken place in the last year. Um, but I just wanna hang on in there at the moment with what you actually do, because you use words like empower and intuitive, and I understand what those words mean. On your website, there's a quote that says, that your mission as a company is 
to enable anyone to use software without training. Also, I see you've got 28 million trained users around the globe, which is a phenomenal number. So just give me a typical example of why someone would come to you and what they would get out of whatever they had to spend to buy your product. Absolutely, happy to do so. So Peter, tell me, any, have you ever used a software you found really complex to use and you stopped using it because you found it too complex? Well, let me just let me use Excel as an example. If you're going to use it properly, I'm not the one to be asking to use it. So everyone's heard of Excel. So mm -hmm. let's just take that. I really want to work Excel and understand how to get the best of it. Am I going to come to you? No. <laughs> That's not a great example. Do you know what? I we're going to not edit that out because that's fantastic. Because I was expecting a yes, and we've gone no. So I'm going to throw it straight back to you, Francisca, and, and say, give me an example of why a client comes to you. That's one of the best things that's happened on this whole series. Go on, you give me an example of why people come to you and how you can help them. This was hilarious. No, people would come to us if they, um, let's say, a big corporation or a company is about to roll out a new product, right? And um, I mean, we all know that, especially now since COVID, digitalization is on everyone's mind, and especially multinational companies are rolling out more and more software. And life is getting super complex for everyone, even at user lane, and we're still a comparatively small organization. I am dealing with 10 plus tools on a day-to-day -day basis. And when I refer to tools, I refer to browser-based tools, yeah, but also to on-premise solutions. And let's just take um, a CRM system in sales, for example, yeah. Um, it's really crucial that salespeople know how to use the CRM and how to enter the data correctly, because in the end, only if data is properly entered in the CRM, Sales operations, revenue operations, is or finance is able to make the right forecast. And often the problem is that tools are bought and then they are not properly rolled out and people are not tr properly trained. And especially with, with browser-based and, and um, cloud-based solutions, there happen software updates on a weekly basis. Yeah, the front end changes, new features come in, and people don't know how to use that. And this is exactly where user lane comes into play. So with user lane, you, the, the customer is able, or our customers are able to implement in software guides, which can be selected by the users specifically for the use case they need in that specific solution. They are guided through the product and they can go through this guide whenever they need it. It's like with the navigation system. So in your example mm -hmm. of a company comes to you with a CRM system that mm -hmm. they want help uh, mm -hmm. downloading to all their staff, do they bring the software package to you and then you pr provide a tailor-made solution for them or do they buy a particular CRM package from you that you've already provided the solution for? Yeah, basically we are, we work with any software out there. And therefore, let's say 
our customer comes and says, hey, Userlane, we're thinking about implementing a CRM system. And we would like to make sure that all our users feel empowered all the time and they are well onboarded so that we can make use of this very expensive CRM solution from day one. Then our implementations consultants sit together with the implementation team at the client side and they think about the typical use cases that need to be covered with these guides. For example, how to set up a new customer in the CRM system, how to set up a new um, proposal, how to close a deal in the CRM system. And then we create these guides in collaboration with the customer and there are two options, or we create the guides for the customers or we empower our customers to create the guides on their own. And the great thing is that they are not like our solution and our editor is so easy to use that there is not a lot of training required. Yeah. So therefore, typically all administrators who have access to our admin console can edit and update the guides depending on the updates in the underlying, underlying software. And this is how it would work. So do you provide the ongoing support if any of those users have a problem or do they just go back to their own company because there are people trained there to deal with it? Yeah, they can get back to us, absolutely. And we do. We have a, a really well-staffed service team. And whenever a user has a problem, like I have forgotten my password or my, my user lane, my guide broke, basically they can always reach out to us. So what's the competition in the, in the market in general for this type of service? Yeah, it's, it's a very, very quickly developing market and strongly developing market. So digital adoption in, in many organizations, when we call our customers or prospects, they don't know what it is about. Yeah, because digitalization is still really new. And there are a few competitors out there. You probably know the, Quartner, the Gardner Quadrant and we're one of the major contenders. Some competitors, just as an example, could be WalkMe or Whatfix. WalkMe announced that we'll go that they will go public very soon, which is also a great sign for us because the market will be even more um, like we'll we will simply be more present, and um, this will definitely be a really big um, advantage also for us moving forward. So you've had. Um, more than 17 million pounds poured into the startup of this company since mm -hmm. 2015. And that, that's a staggering amount of money. So somebody somewhere recognized it as a gold mine. Absolutely. Do, do you have particular parts of your process that you can patent, that you can ring fence, or do you just have to rely on being better than everyone else in terms of your service? Absolutely. That's a really good question. Well, I think um, there, there are definitely unique selling points we come with as user lane. Absolutely. And one part we are really part of is the product. For example, our editor, our analytics, we're really, really strong at it. And we are super flexible at this point in time simply because we are very, we're very small and we are able to grow and adapt very, very quickly. And one other factor that significantly impacts the success is the team because in the end yes 
you need a great product, but it's a people's business and people buy from people. And therefore, I, as a people experience leader, need to say that I truly believe that besides the great product, the team makes all the difference. And we always say it's all about people. And therefore, uh, besides the product, it's really the team that makes a big difference. How many countries are you operating in at the moment? Mm -hmm. I don't know that, honestly speaking. We are so 80% of our revenue comes from Europe, 15% from the US. And we do have employees for, scattered throughout Europe. We do have employees in the UK, in Poland, and in other different countries as well. And we're planning to expand to the US next year. So you're all over the world already? Yes. Okay. So um, I went on your website about an hour ago and clicked on the tab that talked about careers and positions currently available. Mm -hmm. And it just went on forever because there were 24 vacancies on the website, bearing in mind you've grown from 40 to 100 in the mm -hmm. last 12 months. And these are some of the areas that you're looking to recruit. Management, sales, design, strategy, development, marketing, engineering, training, customer service, and consultancy now that is off the scale uh, and i'm fascinated to know as the person in charge of recruitment and developing people how on earth you can recruit all those people in such a varied background get the decisions right get the right people on board and then start to looking after them developing their careers and making sure that they flourish yeah that's a big question go for it <laughs> Yeah, um, my my first answer to that would be um, that um, something that I always tell my team, namely how to eat an elephant, right, <laughs> bite by bite, and that's what we do as well. And uh, we, of course, try to eat very fast, but at the same time, it only works out if we take one step after the other. And I'm lucky enough to have a really, really uh, motivated and um, enthusiastic team by my side and um, they they take care basically of the entire recruiting process so what we do is we very very closely collaborate with hiring managers and we see us as the internal service agency when it comes to hiring and finding the right people and it's not that we wait passively for requests from our hiring managers to come in, but we proactively set priorities. We always look at what's the business goal right now? What, what roles do we need to fill in the next two quarters in order to reach our business goals? And then we set very, very clear priorities. And we have made the experience that, again, candidate experience starts from day one. So from the first conversation, from the first email you send out when you actively reach out to them via LinkedIn in most cases. And we really, we are really active throughout the entire recruiting process. So that means we stay in close touch with them. We make sure that the time to hire and what I, when I talk about time to hire, I talk about the first day or the first day when we get in touch with an employee until we make the final decision maximum 40 days should pass one thing that you said there francisco mm -hmm. which is really interesting is that you've got a team now the reason that's interesting is that i've interviewed a lot of people in your position mm -hmm. during this series 
who have at least 100 employees, but they are on their own as head of learning development, people development, HR recruitment, whatever you want to call it. And it's something that I usually dig into and say, as you grow, how can you carry on doing it on your own? And the question invariably is, who's going to come up with the money to develop the team? Mm -hmm. Now, the fact that you've had 17 million pumped in, does that mean that there's enough in your organization to set things up properly? Because clearly you do need a team, but lots of entrepreneurs, lots of people at the top, they don't recognize that recruitment and people development deserves any money because it, it's a bit fluffy to a lot of people. So talk, talk to me about your team, who you've got and what they do. Absolutely. And I really need to point out that I'm lucky enough to work in an organization that um, is all about people, right? And we, our product is about empowering people and therefore um, our founders are very much interested in enabling our internal colleagues as well. And this is why they decided at the very early stage to heavily invest in people experience or people operations as well. So therefore I have two HR business partners or people business partners. They partner with managers to stay very close to them and to at the same time also stay very close to employees. They make sure that processes are set up well, that we are all the time aware about any upcoming needs. We discuss hiring priorities. We discuss um, performance topics, performance or employee development topics as well. I do have one intern. She takes care of all social topics and she also supports us with um, the development of new guidelines. She works full-time for us. And then in addition, I have one talent, so senior talent acquisition and employer branding manager. She's really, really experienced and she takes care of talent acquisition and employer branding. And one of our HR business partners comes with a very strong background in learning and development. And I on purpose hired her because I wanted to have someone on the team who comes with a very strong background in learning and development because Yes, we grew a lot and we, I mean, we, we hired more than 60 people in one year, but at the same time now we are in front of a new challenge, which is about retaining all these great talents that we managed to get on board and developing them, making sure they want to stick around for three, four, five years and not leave in a half a year from now. And therefore, one of our HR business partners is currently working on setting up an internal user lane university and uh, which gives everyone the possibility to invest their personal development budget. So whenever we hire someone, we assign to all individual contributors as well as leaders, a personal development budget. And this uni university provides basically employees with a framework they can, um, they can basically use in order to, to develop their career inside our organization. So how much is the personal development budget per person? Yeah, so it starts at 1,200 euros per year. And then depending on managers, it can also be higher. So do you give your people a list of places where they can spend that money? Or are you quite happy for them to come to you? with ideas of how they'd like to spend that budget. Yeah. So in the past, it was exactly the way you described it, so that employees had to choose on their own how they wanted to spend their budget. But 
I have personally made the experience that often people are overwhelmed because there are so many options to choose from out there. It could be a classroom training, it could be an online training, and how do they even know whether the money is well invested? It's really difficult to say. And often also managers are overwhelmed with the task of, of selecting a course for their employees. And therefore, we are currently working on the Uselane University and in there, we will then together with managers define a list of courses we recommend for specific topics with prices and we do a, a quality assessment beforehand so that employees also know, okay, if I would like to train my project management skills, just as an example, I can go for these or I can choose between these three options and ex employees have already participated in one of these courses and I can even ask them how they liked it and if it added value to their day to day life. And this is why we decided to, yes, we give them the, the option to freely choose what they think makes sense and to discuss basically with their manager what makes sense, but at the same time provide them with a list of options to choose from. And the same is with coaching. We decided to significantly invest in coaching, as I personally believe that, yes, we can all improve our technical skills and we can all read a lot of books but very very often especially when it comes to grow in a in a management role it's our own personal personality we need to work on and our own um like traits and behavior we need to work on and therefore coaching is a really really great tool and this is why we will provide our employees from next month onward with a list of coaches for specific topics. And depending then on the topic and on the seniority level, we will assign them a coach. And they can invest their personal development budget also in coaching. So as you've got employees all around the world, I assume this training and development and also line management is taking place on uh, a remote basis yes. via Zoom or yes. whatever platform you want Correct. to use. So if, for example... I applied for the training manager position, which was one of the 24 that I referred to earlier, and I was successful with that. I assume, uh, as it's got the word manager in it, I would either develop or inherit a team of people. They could, in fact, would be all around the world. So I could go for my whole career at Userlane without ever seeing my team face to face. Now, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. It's just such a change from what the world has generally been used yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And um, we indeed have managers who have never seen their team face-to-face -face up to now. And they have been with us for six months now, and they've been, re like, they've been doing a tremendous job in building their teams, gaining their trust, which is increasingly challenging if you only see people um, through the computer. And uh, yes, the world is changing, requirements are changing. We're conducting a lot of work, digital workshops. Even for me personally, it was a big change working with all the remote tools because I've been used to work with cards and sticky notes and, and pens and all the games that we in the training industry know. And nowadays we need to work on a screen. And um, I mean, I'm still, I'm still in the process of changing also the way I think about it. Um, I'm still not sure if I 100% like it, but that's simply how the world is changing and therefore um, we need to adapt. So you mentioned the word trust there, which of course is critical. Mm -hmm. And any listeners, regular listeners to this podcast know that I 
I always default to the quality of managers that an organization either recruits or develops mm -hmm. because your business and your growth will live and die by the quality of your managers. Mm -hmm. How do you or will you develop the talent in your managers? Most organizations will recruit some ready-made managers into the organization and then look just to induct them into the user lane way of doing things. But others who could be fabulous managers will be internal to you already in another role and you'll need to start equipping them with their management skills from scratch. Again, historically, it's been done in a classroom. It's been done face-to-face. -face. There's some touchy-feely stuff as well as some some written work. And I mean, how on earth are you going to do all that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good point. And we've been actually thinking about that in the last in the last weeks as we were working on on coming up with a management developing development program and um, on one hand side, we're lucky enough that we managed to find great, great managers who come with a lot of experience. And as you say, yes, they are now basically learning how, the, how to manage in the user lane way and what user lane stands for. But at the same time, we want to give internal people and we actually even do the chance to develop into a management role. And what um, I can tell you what we do right now as we have the capacity and what we plan to do in the future. So right now, all managers get um, so-called like uh, manager onboarding training where they get where we talk about guiding principles and management styles so what is a great manager at user lane and we have a very vivid and open discussion about it and when it comes to managers also guiding principles and our leadership principles play a very very important role then we train them on how to make use of all the policies and guidelines we have. And we have a regular catch up for all managers where we basically discuss all the challenges which come up on a regular basis. That's the status quo. Is it um, worth improving it? Yes, definitely. So I'm not happy with the status quo. This is just what we have been able to come up with so far while working on like finding all those great talents and onboarding them. So what's the plan for the future? We do plan to implement a management excellence program and leadership or executive coaching, especially. So all managers and all people who have leadership responsibility should get right or are advised to get regular coaching sessions. And we also plan to train them and then, or to guide them through specific trainings to make sure we are all aligned regarding expectations and standards. So there will be a basic training for more junior managers and an advanced training for more senior managers. But generally speaking, I'm not a big fan of trainings because it's often a, a one-off effort. And then people leave the classroom or leave the training, especially in a remote setting, and they never ever talk about it again. And I honestly speaking think that coaching and collaborating closely with coaches is a much like a much more effective and and in the end also efficient way, right? <laughs> Maybe not in the short term, but in the long run, it's a much more efficient way to develop talent and to retain in the end people. Yeah, and if you look at uh, learning a new language or you look at learning to play a musical instrument, 
the quickest, most successful way of improving and learning is mm -hmm. by a private one-to-one -one lesson. Absolutely. Uh, it's obviously the most expensive because you've got a highly qualified person mm -hmm. charging usually quite a lot of money mm -hmm. to work with one individual. But then if that one individual is responsible for the lives and well-being of five, six, ten other people, my view is they're so worth developing. 100% agree. Yeah, I see it the same way. So what we're talking about is all fantastic when it's going well, but let's move the conversation slightly to what I'll call performance management. And it's great having conversations with your team members about how they can develop. And we're assuming now they're 100% fired up, they're motivated, they're happy, they're happy with their manager. But when things go wrong, that's when any system is tested. So when somebody in your organization is not hitting their numbers and the quality of their work is deemed to be unsatisfactory, how are you going to deal with that then? How does the system stand up in its, its robustness? Yeah, <laughs> great question, actually. Um, an hour before our conversation, I had a meeting with one of our HR business partners, and she's currently working on setting, setting up a performance improvement framework to make sure we have a robust framework for such scenarios and situations. And of course, the more people we are, the more it will happen that it turns out that eventually employees are in the wrong position or are tasked with topics um, that are not like part of or that get, don't give them the possibility to work in, in an area which reflects their strengths and therefore we really need to work on it. So what do we do right now? Well, through this business partner structure, we have a very, very close relationship with our managers and our two business partners are very experienced and they coach our managers on how to deal with employees whenever we see that performance is dropping. And we have a pre like a set of questions we always ask in order to assess what the reason for a drop in performance is. And Whenever we see that right now an employee is at risk for low performance, we follow up on a weekly basis right now, of course, and um, we really collaborate closely with managers to see if there is a way of improving the performance, understanding the reason for it, or eventually also moving them to another role, to another department, depending really on the, on the individual situation. And luckily enough, I mean, we grew significantly. Up to now, I haven't seen too many cases where this happened but moving forward we will have more I mean we, we need to be realistic and there will be more and more people where we need to take right actions and therefore we are, we will have a so-called performance improvement framework what does that mean if the if the manager sees that ongoing conversations do not help to improve performance employees will get the possibility to um, get a performance improvement plan for a certain period of time, we set very clear goals with a clear time frame, and the employee has the possibility to focus for a specific time only on the tasks which are defined on this performance improvement plan. And of course, here employee, the employee and the manager need to need to be very, very closely aligned. The performance improvement plan is usually designed for a period of three months and then afterwards we would make a decision on whether to keep the employee and hopefully of course the the performance improves or 
in the worst case, we need to be transparent, also let the employee go if the, if the performance doesn't improve. Just before we leave mm -hmm. the company, because I'd love to, to spend the last 10 minutes of this podcast talking about you, mm -hmm. it seems to me that your owners who set it up actually get it, how important it is to spend money on recruitment, retention, and learning and development. A lot of the people that I've spoken to in your position, hugely talented, unbelievably talented at their job, but it's almost as if some people are set up to fail because they're not supported financially by the organisation. Mm -hmm. And if, if your owners don't get it, it seems to me you've got no chance. But if they do get it, then it's down to you guys to recruit the right quality of people, put them in the right places. And then there's no excuse for you not to deliver, mm -hmm. is there? Yeah. And, you know, in the end, also HR is, is a numbers game. And just looking at turnover rates, and I come from an organization with a really high turnover, and I have seen how much high turnover costs. And looking at industry data, the average turnover rate, employee turnover rate in the SaaS industry is around 13.2%. So that would cost an organization like Userlane almost 20% of our yearly annual recurring revenue. So, right, looking at these numbers, I think that whenever an HR leader, a VP of people, whatever our role is called, shows these statistics to a CEO and the CEO doesn't listen and say, oh yes, it's really clear to me that I need to do something about it, then there is something going wrong. And luckily enough, that's at least what I hear from a lot of colleagues of mine, the mindset is changing and more and more founders, more and more CEOs recognize the importance of building up a really solid foundation and giving employees the possibility to develop inside the organization because talent is rare. And um, especially now with the changing world, more and more companies will hire remotely. And here in Europe and what we see in Germany is, um, is that more and more US-based companies are hiring here in, in Europe simply because it's cheaper for them. And if I, as an employee, have the possibility to work for 100,000 euros for a German-based company or for 150,000 euros for a US-based company, and I still work remotely for both, I really need, as a German-based company, I need to do something different in order to retain people. And we need to like, crack the secret and find the secret sauce of getting people on board and then making sure that they stay with us for a really long time. And uh, therefore, uh, like investment in people is absolutely key. You're pretty smart, aren't you? <laughs> very, <laughs> very you. smart. Really interesting to listen to your comments. So let's get on to you then. What, what are your values? What's going on inside you? Why are you working for this lot? What, what gets you up in the morning? Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm all about empowerment. And uh, whenever I see people developing, and whenever I see how people grow in their roles and develop skills, learn something new, get excited about something new, that makes me happy. And after working in, in, in the world of, of, of people operations for eight years, I decided to take a, a, a sidestep and work in sales for two years. And I totally loved 
working in sales. And I found it really, really interesting. And for me personally, it was such a win because nowadays I think I'm a much better HR leader because I understand what keeps business leaders up at night and I see how important the numbers game is. And often I think HR professionals struggle because they are so caught up in their HR world and they think about like, they think that HR is a very soft game, but in the end it's not. It's also a numbers game and we need to be, it's like recruiting is like sales, right? We need to fill the funnel and then in the end we need to close the deal. It's not a contract signed, but a, a, a working contract which is signed. And therefore um, during these two years, I learned a lot, but I discovered for myself that I really love empowering people and making sure that they, know what they're good at and they that they fill a role which is really fulfilling to them and this is why i decided to go back in, into the world of hr and that's actually what what i love like when i open my computer in the morning and i see that my colleagues created something like a new concept and i can collaborate with them on developing something new and that's why i decided to also uh, join a scale up it's not for everyone like because um Priorities change on a regular basis and you need to get things done very quickly and uh, in a very pragmatic way. And often whenever you, you would like to do things like perfectly, you can't because you don't have the time, you don't have the resources, but at the same time, we still need to get, um, well, we need to ship concepts and we need to ship like um, product, HR product. I just wish I'm sitting here listening to you answer my question about what gets you up in the morning and we're on a video call recording this podcast but it'll only go out as an audio file so what people won't see is what I'm seeing which is a massive smile on your face <laughs> as you talk about why you're doing the job that you do uh, and it ever if ever there was an indicator about why people love their job is if they smile when they talk about it and I really love it yeah <laughs> you clearly do yeah. So going forward then, what do you reckon? Can I ask you how old you are? Um, hold on. I, I got confused last week about my age. I need to think. It was... That's, that's <laughs> a worry. No, no. <laughs> hold on. I just need to get it right. I'm 33. I'm turning 34 this year. Right. I okay. thought last so week that, that I'm 32. That's why I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that is worrying. So um, in the grand scheme of things, you've got some fantastic years in front of you. Mm -hmm. And in terms of life in general, what would you like to experience and feel and be part of in the years to come? Wow, that's a very philosophical question. Um, hmm. Well, I would love to contribute to a success story and to a growth story. And I would love to look back in five years from now together with my colleagues, together with my team, with our founders and say, wow, we, we, we've achieved something great and we are really proud of everything we've done. And yes, we made mistakes and yes, we failed not only once, but several times, but we were always brave enough and we always had enough energy to again, get up and um, yeah, keep the ball rolling and um, well, keep on working basically and and um, yeah that's what I would love to achieve. And outside of your working environment what would you like to achieve in the world? <sighs> <laughs> I, 
I know they're, they're tough questions. Yeah. And interestingly, they're the type of questions that people in learning and development HR quite regularly ask other people, but they don't often get asked themselves. So I do like to ask. Yeah. I don't really. I used to I used to have like very clear goals for my private life, but nowadays I don't I don't know anymore because I feel like I've I've really reached up to now everything I ever wanted and even more. I've got like I've got great relationships. I'm really like I feel like something which is keeping me up at night is the entire climate change and sustainability topic. And um this is why we like even also at Userlane, we right now came up with a running for a greener city challenge. We organized a running challenge together with six other, six other Munich-based companies. And we collect money for a nonprofit organization here in Munich that works really hard on, on making Munich a more green and sustainable place. So that's definitely something that keeps me up at night simply because we all have an impact on, well, the world we live in also in and our next generations will live in. And um, I'm really trying to, well, minimize the negative impact I have on this world and on this planet. That's, that's definitely something I think of a lot. And what's Germany's attitude towards climate change? Well, actually the attitude is changing a lot. Now we have two main parties. So the CDU, which is from the right center and the uh, the Greens and um, right now for the first time the we have a Green Chancellor candidate and she has got very, very good chances of winning the election. So apparently um, the society is changing and we see it also in, in, in the retail industry that the mindset of people is changing a lot. So I see a positive change definitely. Well, our time's up. I would just like to say what an absolute joy it has been <laughs> talking to you over such a wide range of topics. Uh, they're clearly very lucky to have you at User Lane. Very talented. We'll look forward to charting your progress going forward. That's for sure. Francisca Terza, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Peter, for having me. If you've enjoyed today's episode and are interested in seeing and listening to more of our content, please do follow us on our LinkedIn profile, where you'll find more industry-related material and articles. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode and look forward to you joining us then.